0: Hello and welcome to Into the Void with Will Adolfi. Today I chatted with Dr Catherine Coda. Catherine has a PhD in transpersonal psychology with expertise in healing trauma and integration work with visionary plant medicines. So she brings together Western clinical psychology, Eastern spiritual teachings and indigenous wisdom to connect body mind heart and soul in her transformative work with people so I think you can see why I uh, invited Catherine on (laughs) this was one of the most interesting discussions I have had and there will be links to Catherine's incredible book after the ceremony ends which is the one I read and all the other information is mentioned throughout the podcast there's even one book that Catherine recommends which gets cut out and I've included that in the references so do check that out. Anyway, without further ado, let's get straight to it. Catherine Coda. Welcome to the podcast. It's it's so great to, to have you on. I can't believe this about two weeks ago I was on uh, online Googling for some books on visionary plant medicine and integration and and yours was mm. one of the first that popped up and and I didn't hesitate. Oh. I was like read some of the reviews was like come on let's let's get this and uh next thing you know i'm uh, (laughs) i'm reading it and i'm I'm literally i'm about sort of 30 40 pages in and i'm going gee this is brilliant i was like wow like (laughs) because What surprised me was I thought I was just going to be reading something quite specific about integration, but what I got was Mm. so much more. What I found was like this sense of, it was, it was encompassing kind of healing in general, like healing from Mm. trauma. And yeah, it was very powerful and I'm, I'm really fortunate and very grateful to to have you on. So thank you so much for joining.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Will. It's wonderful to make your acquaintance this way and I'm, I'm so pleased that you're really enjoying the book and you've got seen sounds like you've gotten a lot out of it.
0: Definitely, <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful. I'm very excited. There's so many areas for us to jump in, but I thought a great place to start would be just to hear a bit of a bit about what you're up to at the moment with your work and then we can dive into a bit about your journey and kind of how you got there.
1: Sure, absolutely. So, I uh, Pretty much right at the solstice in December, I launched a new body of work um, called Eva Medicina, and it's really a synthesis of 20 plus years of my own personal work and learning from different teachers from around the world, and Um, It's really a mix of psycho-spiritual and transpersonal and ceremonial and initiatory kind of work. And so I really consider Eva Medicina to be this new teaching arm and practice arm of my practice. Ordinarily, I'm a trauma-informed transpersonal psychologist, and so I work with... Uh, a number of people, I, I try not to have my practice be too large because I want to have a lot of spaciousness for each person that I'm working with during their time with me. And so I see somewhere in between maybe 10 to 15 clients a week and it's usually depth oriented trauma work. A lot of folks that are working with visionary plant medicine or psychedelics as well that need deep support around their integration and their healing. So it's It's quite dynamic, my practice, and I'm really fortunate to have this cadre of folks that I feel like you know they're clients specifically, but we're we are just at this game of life and at this game of evolution and transformation together, and we happen to be dancing together in this moment, and yeah. um, it's quite lovely, yeah.
0: Wow, okay. And for anyone that's listening that perhaps doesn't know, can you explain to us what you mean by transpersonal, just to get a bit of an understanding there?
1: Sure, yes. You know, transpersonal is a, a word that means beyond the self or through the self and right around the late 60s or the 70s for people that are aware of some of the social movements that were going on there was this confluence of interest and expanded states of consciousness and the um, upper levels of development of the human being so you know many teachers had come over from the east and people were seeing wow these are quite developed you know more developed than. perhaps we think of people being able to be developed so transpersonal psychology was born out of this confluence of the 60s and the work with psychedelics and uh, teachers coming over from the east as well as this movement within humanistic existential psychology around human potential and how do we reach our potential so Mm. it's a bit about it
0: Wow, okay, great. Well, that's a nice little segue into to how you managed mm-hmm. to, I'm really intrigued, find your way into this line of work. Was it always something that you envisioned as, as a young woman or, or was it something that you uh, stumbled into through your own kind of healing journey?
1: It's such a good question. I never really envisioned myself doing anything like this. I was, you know, my parents had set me on the path of, you know, becoming a CEO of some corporation or working on Wall Street or something like that. And, um, you know, I quickly discovered uh, during the university days that I really hated all of that. You know, I really I liked people. I discovered I really like people um, and I really like cultures. And I really like learning about how everyone in the world and their different cultures does life and uh, I was very interested in all of that, but much less interested in finance, accounting and things like that, that I was sort of slated for. And so I took this very sharp detour um, after university and I went to the Peace Corps. And so I lived in a small fishing village in Haiti mm. for two years. And there are many, many things unfolded for me um, in my time there that really altered the course of my life. Mm.
0: and would you be okay in like kind of sharing what what this kind of time what it meant to you and, and perhaps something that you an experience that you had that maybe was an experience that altered this kind of course of your life and I'd be very intri- mm. intrigued to know
1: Hmm. sure so I there were several deep spiritual experiences that unfolded for me in my time there and probably many of your listeners or you can relate to what happens when we spend a lot of time just in nature and so I lived pretty much without any kind of electricity or you know, much, with a kerosene lamp at night, you know, mm. um, practically ruined my eyes trying to read by a kerosene <laughs> <Wow>. lamp. <laughs> um, but I lived, you know, my dad measured it when he visited, it was like 28 feet from the water. So I lived right in this beautiful little cove, um, steps away from, you know, swimming every morning and this warm Caribbean water, which was just delightful. And my house was this, it had a thatch roof, and the the house was open in the front, so I had this sort of little balcony. But then there were, nothing was keeping me separate from the winds and, you know, anything that would come through. So I lived in a very natural way. And during those years, I had these really deep awakenings to nature. And I... You know, it was sort of the first time I think I was 22, 23, that I realized that I was not separate from nature. You know, you know, we get this mm. training as humans that we're we're different. You know, we're you know, nature's over there and we're over here, and uh, you know, this idea of being independent, you know, was something that I had been raised with. You're independent. You need to take care of things by yourself, and so there were these deep kind of transformative awakenings where I would just be in this reverie of realizing that I was completely one with the natural world, that I was of the natural world, that I'm part of everything, that I am not independent in any way, shape, or form for the rest of life. And, you know, there were some experiences that were, you know, they were quite quiet. I didn't speak of them really to anyone. <laughs> but I would have these moments um, with myself and with nature and the surroundings where I was, cause were quite extraordinary. Yeah. And you know, another one that was more of a pure non-dual experience where all the boundaries of everything just disappeared and I was just absorbed into this oneness experience for a while. I mean, there were things that just emerged, you know, in this very unlikely context in some ways. Um, Although I had been practicing meditation and yoga and things like that. Um, So that was quite transformative and felt like okay, yeah, there's more, much more going on here and kind of set me up in a way to be a, a mystic of sorts you know
0: mm. oh wow that's yeah mm-hmm. there's a couple of things i'd like to just uh, touch on there that, that's really interesting and um, i wonder you mentioned yoga and meditation so i just wondered whether you sort of have an idea of perhaps there were things that you were doing in the build-up to these uh, experiences that you think helped you to have these experiences and then another little follow up after that is that these ex- these experiences did they did they like did they kick off a prolonged period where you felt just at one or was it a kind of fleeting thing and a gradual build towards uh, a, 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 i guess a state of wholeness you could say um if that makes sense
1: mm it does make sense yes so well, I you know, previous to this, I had had a, a, a small breakdown in college. You know, I refer to it as a very sort of a minor experience, but it was um, it was one where I had this kind of collapse of um, a future. and so I had thought I was always going to have this one future, and then I realized it was not going to be workable. And I fell into this sort of sidelong depression, somewhat minor for three or four months and it was in that space I was sort of this incubating, um, you know, the old, the ideas that I'd always had had fallen away and these new ideas hadn't really emerged yet and so I was just in this space. Yeah. And I spent you know a lot of time reading and you know as as the world and the universe works, friends handed me what are you know spiritual books mm. um, and I read I read the Celestine Prophecy, and I read many others and so, as I was doing that, these ideas in these books really made a lot of sense to me and so then I started with this yoga, and I started with some little bit of meditation because these are things that were recommended and and it was you know it was quite an innocent practice, but it was just my way of building connection to something that felt like it was more true or more real and I found a little yoga studio way back when in Philadelphia where I was in school and I used to walk down there from campus and attend classes. And so I just carried that practice with me when I went to um, Haiti. And so I do think there was a kind of a preparation in some sense, a little reading that I was doing and ideas that I was connecting with. and. In Haiti, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the book. Um, you know, Alan Watts is just a, I'm a huge mm. fan of mm. Alan Watts, and and I picked up this quote-unquote random book off the shelf of this woman where I had worked for her organization in Haiti, and it was the book on the taboo of knowing who you are. I don't know if you've read that one. No, not yet. Um, okay such a good read and it was it was an introduction to essentially Advaita Vedanta and the hypocrisy of our own you know sense of existence and you know how we are we really don't exist on some level this idea of a separate self doesn't it's not true and ultimately true and so I was reading all these things certainly before these experiences took place yeah Um, And they were more, I would say, fleeting, but I really have to say the, just the embeddedness in the natural world, the lack of, you know, use of electronic devices, the falling into a natural rhythm of waking with the sun and going to bed with the moon, you know, Mm. this is natural, um, spending a lot of time. You know barefoot and hiking and um just connecting with people in my community i think that was really important as well
0: yeah. wow mm-hmm. yeah it seems yeah. so simple when you put it like that doesn't it it's just the absence of society and stillness and within that stillness we can we can find well this connection that was perhaps already there but you say something in your book that really uh, stood out to me it, you talk about how these uh, these practices these psycho-spiritual practices and um, they they can bypass the rational mind and that really um yeah that really kind of resonated i was looking for some language to describe what has been happening to me uh when i've mm. been using these practices and you talked about connecting with nature when i've gone off on my own which i've done so for the first time i was actually mm. astounded at at the at what happened to me essentially when I put down the tech technology and I kind of retreated for a very brief period of time on my own and um, the opposite of what I anticipated which was prob- probably loneliness and and other things but actually it was one of the most meaningful and connective if that even as a word experiences of my life and mm. yeah it's it's fascinating I was I guess when I asked you that question of yoga and meditation it's because we're all we're all searching for what to do right we're all searching mm. for things to do I, I like in, in a sense we want to hear from someone with your experience oh guys if you just do this yoga course online and um, by the end of it <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're going to be healed um and i and i'd love to hear more about your journey because already what i'm getting from that is that no it's it's very hard to pinpoint exactly what causes these um these moments right these experiences that do set us on a, in a different direction but it seems that you had reached a point in your life where like so many others where you were you were done living the way that you were living um and you were in search reading these books shows that and in a way it's your friends gave you the books, which I always find remarkable. It's kind of like a higher power thing. I kind of see that now, you know, someone Mm -hmm. hands you a book. I mean, for me, it was the book um, Awareness by Anthony DeMello. I'm not sure if you've read that one, but I
1: haven't, but I I know of him. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's fantastic. that my friend gave to me and it was sat on my shelf for a couple of years. And then I'm going on retreat and I put it in my bag and I'm listening to a podcast and the podcast says, if you're going on retreat, read this book and I was like, I ain't got a set.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then That's yeah, perfect. I checked my bag and there it is. But no, I'd love to so I'd love to just finish up on your and kind of get just hear more a bit about your journey. So after after this period in your life, what what happened next?
1: Well, you know, this is a very, you know, this is kind of where the territory, you know, it starts kind of weaving and melding and becoming, you know, um, there are these dis, you know, disparate parts that are interwoven and, and so in my life I've really been set up in a way where I I know I came in to do some deep healing and so I have, um, had some very difficult experiences as well that were quite psychologically challenging and so I actually left the Peace Corps with something that could be diagnosed as PTSD from my time there and nothing to do with these beautiful experiences, something that was more of a character assassination and quite in contrast to those experiences in many ways and This was a recapitulation of an earlier set of childhood wounding that needed to be revisited in order for me to do the deeper healing that needed to be done. And so, you know, I really emerged from my experience in Haiti, although it landed me in certain specific um, energetic or spiritual places, and I was open to deeper truth, I also had this mountain of psychological healing work that needed to be done. And, you know, I ended up working in New York. I was, you know, do, trying to address this anxiety and panic that had developed in my time in Haiti, as well as, you know, just getting my feet on the ground in terms of my career and really seeing, okay, do I want to work in international development? Do I want to work for an NGO? Do, you know, do I want to go back to grad school around this? Like, is this the life I want to have? And you know, doing some career exploration and of course as spirit works I ended up meeting this wonderful psychologist from the UN who sat on the peace council and you know she pointed me towards non-dual teachers and transpersonal psychology as well as Ken Wilbur and she said, don't do what I did, don't go spend all these years in analysis and training as an analyst go out there and learn about the edge of the field go to the frontier of the field of psychology and mm. i'm a, sort of a frontiers woman and so i really took that to heart and i ended up choosing to go to graduate school in california and studying transpersonal psychology which of course i had never ever heard of until this wonderful um, mentor that i had in new york recommended it and so you know, all of a sudden I'm in California and I'm doing all this deep study as well as this deep healing work. And, and I would say it took me, you know, I was in graduate school for about five years. And then I embarked on a psychedelic and plant medicine healing journey for another five years. And I also sat in this really deep um, spiritual community for about eight years during that time frame. <laughs> So I was quite, I don't know, um, involved and, and I knew in graduate school that I wasn't well enough psychologically to do the psychedelic or visionary plant medicine work. I had been invited to an ayahuasca ceremony when I lived in New York and I had gone, but I didn't get a lot out of it and I really wasn't ready for the work. Mm. Until I had achieved a certain level of spiritual integration that came through a different spiritual awakening in the community that I was sitting with and sitting in for all those years and then once I achieved that certain spiritual integration, I knew that I could do the visionary plant medicine work without fracturing, Mm. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. yeah okay okay wow yeah. uh, let yeah. <laughs> That's let touch upon that yeah i'm getting quite excited about this conversation there's so many diff- <laughs> so many different avenues so uh, we could go down but we've we've touched upon ayahuasca i think mean, that's it let's just give people a little yes. sense because i'm sure there'll, there'll be people listening that um perhaps will be wondering like we'll be mm. thinking wow there's there's great benefits to doing this this work but they'll be thinking am i ready this sounds scary and i just wonder uh, whether we could have a go at um, explaining to them what, what what it is to you what how would you explain the experience to someone and how how do you know when you're ready
1: well that's a that's a very interesting question and it's been answered many different ways by different folks um i had a I had a personal sense of readiness like it was very clear within my being that it was time and that was time for the crowbar Mm. you know because the plant medicine work is a psychological and spiritual crowbar so this is a tool amongst many in the toolbox and it isn't one to use lightly and I I say that you know let's underline it let's Mm. bold that statement because I think people go into it reading these accounts of others that have had these amazing experiences and there's less emphasis put on just the amount of intensity that is present in these experiences and and the possibility for you know some psychological splitting that could come out of it so I like to think that Some people have a call, they receive a call, they have a dream, they have something that happens to them where they realize that this is what is necessary, um, or it's, you know, it's on their path.
0: Mm.
1: For me, there was an internal knowing. Um, when I counsel people around whether they should work with visionary plants or not, psilocybin included, because psilocybin and ayahuasca are very similar in many ways. Um, in terms of the intensity of the experience. So I usually ask hmm. if they have, have not presence this already, I ask if they have done any trauma work. Because many of the people, that, at least that seek me out, are wanting to work with the plants because they feel that they are at their wits end. They have tried everything and they don't have any options left, (laughs) and this is (laughs) what they think is going to be helpful. And a lot of people don't know about somatic therapies, they don't know about these other more in-depth approaches to working with trauma. They've been in talk therapy or this or that, and they haven't seen a lot of movement on the needles, so to speak, in their well-being. So I usually, if a person has not tried a somatic-based therapy, which is, it's a light, it induces a light trance state in which the nervous system can process through um, what is out of balance. Um, Very helpful for people with PTSD, CPTSD, anxiety disorders, depression, etc. And so it's, it is a more gentle approach, although it's very effective. Mm. And so if someone hasn't tried that, I will often recommend, you know, I recommend that you try it and just see, because, um, you know, I don't mean to be, you know, these cautionary tales, but I have, you know, worked with a number of people over the years that were quite damaged in their experiences with plant medicine. It is not everyone, but people have come back From the jungle, broken, Mm. um, in retreat centers that didn't hold the right space for them, that underestimated their trauma, you know, etc. And so, they came back in pieces from their experience. And so then it's there's a there's a special work of triaging a person who has um, been damaged by the medicine work and the Mm. people holding that medicine. And so. Then there's a number of things that need to happen from that place and it's more it's more rare I would say but because I receive those cases I see this you know I see it happening and I have my own personal experience with psilocybin where it did cause a bit of a um, we call it susto that's a Latin American term for fright but it's a culturally bound syndrome. It's a bit like PTSD. So I have my own experience of right. um, having a medicine experience that that yielded someone who was less whole. Um, and I worked through that over a period of probably a couple of months with a healer that I was working with. It took some, three or four separate ceremonies to really fully recover myself. And so I think that you know as one is working with a crowbar um, it's good to realize it's a crowbar and not think that it's a you know a s- small screwdriver or something yeah.
0: <laughs> so. yeah. yeah oh my god right okay so that's really interesting you just raised something there because it seems that the um you know the sanctuary or the environment and the uh, the people that you are engaging in this inner work and medicine with it have a a direct impact on the experience and the the integration afterwards so
1: absolutely
0: because obviously Mm -hmm. I I, you read a lot about ayahuasca and how it, it will teach you what needs to be teached if you if you're able to be open but I'm curious as to as to what degree then it seems that So we have to do our homework is what you're saying, right? Let's do our homework and, and make sure Mm -hmm. that we're feeling called to do this work because there are, there are risks.
1: There are risks and sometimes it's not the right time for it. Or sometimes the level of, it also depends on, you know, how much time does a person have? I mean, can you go down to Peru for three months (laughs) or, you know, are you trying to like fly by night, go down there for a week and come back? <clears throat> what kind of support structure do you have set up around this? Are you, are you having you know really thorough preparation work going in? Because there, as you read in the book, there are mm. recommendations for preparation and how to really. Um, it's like drinking from a, a fire hose, you know. So, there are ways in order to work with the intensity effectively for the nervous system, just at a nervous system level. You know, we are in a body. So there's a physiological component and there are practices that are supportive and um, how prepared is someone and have they really chosen well in terms of the environment and the medicine person that they're working with, um, what environment support structure have they set up for themselves afterwards? You know, (laughs) these are all very important, yes.
0: (laughs) Yes, okay, okay. And you mentioned, I think this would be great to ask, you know not everyone has that time right to to book the months into peru and and to go out there and really kind of do the work but there are lots of people over here who i know that there's a good few listeners who i've spoken to who who do suffer with with trauma and past experiences and and who are Mm -hmm. and who are really struggling and and wanting an answer like where 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 do you begin how do you begin with this inner child work and and what would you I don't know what would you recommend like is there a place that we can begin
1: oh I would highly recommend I mean there's different phases of psychological work uh, and it's all ultimately spiritual work you know because we are spirit (laughs) by nature (laughs) so um, there's wonderful if someone is struggling more with A parent, for instance, that wasn't able to provide them with a good holding environment and wasn't supportive, there's attachment-based work, Um, AEDP is a form of attachment-based work that's trauma-informed, so people can look for You can go online and there's a directory of all the AEDP therapists in your area, for instance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I'm a practitioner of somatic experiencing. This is a global organization, so they can go online to, I think it's traumahealing.org and there's a directory of all the practitioners in the area. And so one can actually begin by, if they really understand that they have deep, or significant wounding from childhood. To begin with someone who is an expert in helping a person sort through what happened and holding space for the person to relate their experience and for the space to be held for someone in a way that offers them an ability to really experience what what transpired um, in a different way because there's a person a caring understanding wise person who understands yes this this is what happened and holding that space and there's a transformation that happens when the space is held well mm. and and also the nervous system so, you know, our bodies are our own kind of Akashic record. It's everything that's ever happened to us in our lives is stored in somatic memory in the body somewhere. And as we go in and we review some of the things that appear to go wrong, so to speak, or be dysregulating, to use a more psychological term, mm-hmm. then the body itself, our, our beings, our bodies hold a natural healing potential. Our Bodies want to move towards wholeness. They have an innate drive towards wholeness. And so when we work with the body, we tap into this record. That's whatever has happened in one's life. And the nervous system is allowed the opportunity to release places of imbalance or dysregulation that have gotten stuck. Mm. And this kind of irregulation or imbalance that's gotten stuck manifests itself in depression. Um, anxiety, you know, worries, anger, frustration, you know, there's, there's, these are symptoms of an underlying physiological, um, distress. And so we know from the trauma work and there's an abundance of it at this point, Mm. um, which is quite valuable. Anything from Peter Levine, Mm. I would recommend reading, Waking the Tigers, one of his, right? And then. Bessel van der Kolk, and when the body keeps a score, um, these are all really um, great primers for understanding that, you know, trauma is not, it's primarily physiological. Mm -hmm. It has a psychological dimension, of course, but it is primarily stored in the body, and then it causes these states of psychological distress. And when it's attended to, in an adequate way, the body will naturally release this trauma and then the psychology of a person appears to be much better. Mm. (laughs) They feel happier, they feel more balanced. Um, They feel just a sense of hopefulness and energy, perhaps, that they didn't have access to before. And as you know, these psychological traumas, probably, yeah, I don't know if you know this or not, but they, it, it takes a lot of energy, psychically, and even physiologically, to kind of hold on to these imbalances. Mm. And so, as the imbalances are cleared, uh, energy opens up in a person to do other things.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Man, yeah. oh, that's just yeah. By the way, uh, to all our listeners, I will be including all the links and resources that are mentioned <laughs> in this episode. You <laughs> covered so good, much there, you. and it's so useful to for people to know that that yeah, there's going to be links. And um, yeah, that's incredible. Oh, Christ, I uh, yeah, I, I just wonder, um, while we're on this topic of because lots of people do the talk therapy and they do that for years, yeah. and yes it becomes a form it's like a source of relief rather than this is my own experience i'm talking from here really i i was in therapy for 4 mm. years and it was wonderful mm. in so many ways and mm. it really did lead me to where i am now which is for the first time i feel like i'm actually recovering and you know coming home to myself and
1: wonderful it,
0: it's it, and it's why mm. i'm talking to you really and why your book spoke to me i think and and i'm looking back and i'm trying to decipher what it was about the therapy i think it was because it be- it wasn't challenging um it wasn't challenging my belief system to the point that i was still kind of thinking the same way and 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 doing the same things um behaviors like these little things that were feeding this um well i've got complex written down here because Mm-hmm. the the bit you include by a, a wonderful um, intellect on the subject, James Hollis, in your book, um, mm. you talk about complexes and you just touched upon it there. And it made me think it, it really helps me when I think of this trauma or whatever you want to call it as having like a life of its own and yes for some reason i'm picturing i'm not sure if you've seen the film flubber with robin williams but this little squiggly green thing that that moves and, and maneuvers <laughs> have seen it <laughs> well <laughs> i'll have to see it now <laughs> just just google it afterwards if you will uh, but it's uh, no it's just this squiggly green thing and you know you try and get your hands on it and it and, and it goes it squiggles over there and and i've started to when i actually think of it as a kind of physical visual element that and i you know that is connected to my psychology but is in a sense it isn't my psychology that is when i really began to to kind of gain a bit of distance from myself quote unquote and yes this past that i was harboring and i just wonder if we could just touch on that and and hear hear what you've got to say on um I don't know, uh, the, the complex and, and what um, Hollis means by by a complex and how we can heal from it.
1: Well, yes. And I I, I want to point out, um, you know, just congratulating you on your work, because there what you're describing there is this really classic uh, trajectory and unfolding where, you know, we go from being completely merged with these traumas and uh, we, you know, we are them, we we have no separation from them at all. Um, it's just that is our our life. And then there is a movement where we start gaining this differentiation. So there's this sense of space between this behavior or what, what have you or the set of some of the thoughts that come in or, you know, there's this complex, right? So it's a, a complex usually of, thoughts there's affect you know which is emotion um from the the somatic work there there's a, often a physiological sensation that goes along with it sometimes yeah. there's an image so we can tap into the imaginal realm there's a meaning channel so there's a meaning that we ascribe to it we've made it mean something right and we can describe that and you know, so all, all of the most helpful systems of psychological healing that have been developed, you know, they move through this process of a differentiation from that. Mm. You know, it becomes something that you, know, you have lived with, it has been a part of your life, but there's a deeper recognition of a self Mm. that is beyond that, that is deeper than that, that is, you know, I kind of, I like to refer to it as a a soul essence or a nature, you know, but, you know, for spiritual traditions, self with a capital, you know, S or something beyond just that is, that is happening inside this larger container of the you, right? Mm. And, and it, you know, in a lot of these systems, like if you look at IFS, internal family system, Dick Swartz's work, or um, I studied psychosynthesis, which is uh, Roberto Assagioli, is an Italian that was a, um, you know, a colleague of Jung and Freud, and just sort of that these these at those you know original um, analysts, and so, you know. Mm-hmm. And we start to be able to identify these different parts of ourselves. And we understand that we are not just the part. Mm-hmm. That it is something that, yes, it lives and breathes. But there are other aspects of the self. There's a deeper, total self that of which this is a part. But with the complexes, you know, do the doing the trauma work, like I talked about the energy that it the psychic energy that it takes to really keep the complex together, you know. As you delve into the heart of it, the complex through the body and it starts unwinding at the physiological level mm. it it opens a bit. Mm. You know? It's it's not as powerful as it was before, it doesn't dominate the way that it did. It doesn't take energy the way that it did. It's it becomes something that isn't as pronounced. Yeah. Sometimes it disappears altogether.
0: Yes. And I've (laughs) I've gotta say I feel like I've got rid of my smartphone recently and have been a lot more Mm. I've done more yoga, more meditation and this Mm. lockdown as well. So I'm far more Uh, there's far more stillness in my life which has Mm. meant that i can really begin to see the complex with yes more of a clear eye there's not much there's not as much noise around it shrouding it where it can hide in the bush but rather it feels Mm. like it's naked running rye and (laughs) and it's so it's so illogical i i can't tell you how illogical it is and i've it still fools me though but because because the emotion the complex uh, for me it's that's just used an example of this insecurity of like oh my god that person doesn't like me you know and it's this jolt of like horridness that can take over my thought process it can put me in my room I'm not I haven't got anything to say with my friends I'm not enjoying myself I don't want to read a book I don't care about anything and like Mm -hmm. that is starting to happen so regularly and so absurdly that it's I'm kind of like beginning to start being like hang on a sec (laughs) something's not right here because this feeling is just coming up at a certain point and i'm starting to realize that it's just a feeling within me that's not actually rooted within the reality that i'm experiencing but but rather it's rooted in well i guess you could say my past and
1: it is absolutely it's it's a just a form of of uh your past that has felt true before you had any kind of ability to differentiate from it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to remember that what happens to us in utero, and it even goes back before that, things that our our parents or ancestors have not dealt with, it's like this proverbial hot potato, it gets passed down a generation, it could have not even been anything that relates to your life experience or your narrative. Often it does. Mm. Um, but you don't, even in utero, even before we're born, we're sort of quote-unquote gifted with these things that get passed down from our ancestral lines. Mm. What happens in utero is important. What happens from zero to seven? So zero to seven, we exist in these deeper, slower brainwave states and this is by design because everything is on purpose you know even if it appears to be quite out of the box it happened on purpose um spirit is very clear on that it's all god Um, but zero to seven we're highly um conditionable so we're we are we are ripe to be programmed so and it's by design so that we can learn a lot of things very quickly. You know, we can get up to speed with talking and walking and running and all of the gross motor that we need to do. And, okay, these are the rules of my environment and society. And this is how it all works and the tribe. And, you know, we have got to learn a lot at the beginning, you know. So it's almost like we have no filter. And, and because our, we're in this more delta brainwave state at first, and then we move into more of a theta brainwave state, so everything's just coming into us. So whatever dysfunction exists in your environment or your family, it just goes straight in. There's no there's nothing stopping it and that becomes what a person knows as reality. Mm-hmm. You're not questioning anything from zero to seven really. It's like you're just mm-hmm. absorbing and receiving and this is "Quote unquote reality," yeah, just a total sponge, and it's you know it's by necessity, but because we have so much dysfunction in our family structures and in our society, that all goes in there too, yeah. unmediated. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, so most people, especially in the Western world, are working that out. They have to work through all of that conditioning that went in, in the beginning, you know, some of which was very, um, difficult, like abusive. Um, you know, of course I have a skewed view on what happens because the people that come to me obviously have major issues, you know, things went awry in childhood. Mm. So I see a lot of that and I've heard, I mean, you could only imagine really just some of the worst of the worst and, um, It makes me, I mean, I I will cry in session, you know, Mm -hmm. I will just, in the space of being with someone's experience, often tears will emerge for them and that child that went through all of those things, you know, Mm. it's quite, quite profound. Um, But in any case, you know, I would say that, you know, we have to have compassion for ourselves too, because we were... You know, we did not choose, in a way, to have these experiences happen when we were younger, (laughs) you know. And they can be quite crazy-making, but we can choose to do the work around resolving. And, um, you know, both the psychological and the spiritual approaches have their value.
0: Yeah, and I guess it's in the understanding that we can... Well, we find the compassion. And um, Mello says, you know, we we judge what we do know. What we we judge what we do not understand. And I and I love that because once you understand that. Well, for me, it was once I started to understand how I have been sort of have built up mm. this this model that was really causing a lot of internal suffering based off my my childhood. I was able to see that my mum built hers from her childhood yes, and <laughs> that's right how can i yes, how can i demonize right. her you know
1: yes well when you get far enough along in your healing process and your spiritual development and i'm sure you have had some of these experiences like you understand that it all has happened for a reason mm. And and we have to be careful saying that because it. to say that to someone who is deeply, deeply in their woundedness and, you know, a lot of terrible things have happened, okay, to say, oh, it happened for a reason, that's a horrific thing to say to someone and I would never, ever, ever recommend doing that. Oh, it all happened for a reason as yeah. they are in pieces, right? Abused and traumatized. No. Right but it happens to be the case if one is progressing farther and farther and farther and farther along in spiritual and psychological development that especially the spiritual development that we sometimes understand that it couldn't have happened any other way even though it is extremely painful or has or was extremely painful there the gain that comes out of it, what emerges from that fire is so powerful and is mm, such a also. gift that we it enables us to show up in our lives in these ways that we likely wouldn't have been able to show up. There's this deep resilience, this wholeness that comes forward, that doesn't shy away from suffering or pain but understands it in its larger context and then can be with other people as they go through their own horrific things and so you know it seems kind of messed up and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like like this is our human experience you know <laughs> like oh my god <laughs> why did we do this like this this is crazy but It just seems to be the way that it's set up, you know, and you play the hand. But, uh, you know, I can you can you can laugh. You have to laugh at it at some
0: point because it's so absurd. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think laughter is is huge. Um, No, I I was going to say, like, I just wonder because there's a lot of people and I who don't have adequate support systems and Mm. they don't have, they don't feel like they have a space where they can share. Um, yes. And, and perhaps even build a spiritual practice. But I wonder like, what, what can someone do on their own? It like, is there, how can they do some inner child work from the confines of their bedroom just with themselves? or, Or is that even possible?
1: Well, you know this is the thing because wounds relational wounds are best healed in relationship and that could be a relationship with a therapist it could be a relationship with a trusted friend you know but a therapist is trained to be able to (laughs) understand what is going on number one and to be able to hold space for it adequately without having the entanglement of um, a friendship or you know these other. A, a marriage or what have you. So um, I do think there are certain books that can be very illuminating. I It's from the 70s, but I really recommend... Uh, let's see. I think it's called The Child Within. Mm-hmm. And this is a book that came out of the addiction work that was going on in the 60s and 70s. And I believe the author is... Charles Whitaker but double check that for me yeah. um, That is a, a short book, but it is so precise in its understanding and it and I find that I have recommended that book widely in my practice and clients have really appreciated it. And so for someone that is starting out realizing that you know things are messed up, the kids are not all right kind of situation. It, You know, what we considered normal growing up wasn't maybe so normal and wasn't really so great. A book like that can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another book which is kind of obscure. Um, it's written out of the psychosynthesis canon, and it's called A Primal Wound. Mm-hmm. And that is for someone that's a little more psychologically oriented to begin with, has a bit of an understanding of the psychology, but that goes into great detail about how things go wrong with, okay. in childhood and what exactly is going, like why it is wrong and how, what is the response that comes from that Um, dysfunction. So that's a little bit more of a difficult read I would say but for someone who's hungry uh, and has read a little bit already (laughs) that can be an, an amazing companion um okay. as well okay yeah so well, i would recommend those i'm, I'm definitely mm-hmm.
0: hungry so i'm gonna put that on the old read list <laughs> thank you for that um, I'm, let I'm, me know
1: <laughs> how it goes yeah
0: I, I, I definitely will i'm very conscious of your time and i i want to respect that so sure. i've got i've got a couple yeah. of but i do have a couple of questions i just want to sneak yes. in um
1: yes
0: yes i have to talk about the ego with you um before, before you go okay uh, yeah because yeah. i'm uh, as i as i'm really starting to you know the last sort of four or five months just my spiritual practice is such an integral mm-hmm. part of my daily life and
1: mm-hmm.
0: um i don't know what i do without it now to be honest it's it's incredible to see this transformation but um you know I, i'm really starting to you know look at my ego and go hey buddy I'm like, <laughs> like what, what, yeah. what's going on here, man? You know, and and I'm struggling to yeah. to build a relationship with it. So my question is, you know, how do we live with the ego? Can we get rid of it, or should should that be the goal to to even get rid of it, or is it is it a befriend? Do we have to befriend the ego?
1: Um, yes. So I I would not recommend getting rid of it. <laughs> uh, this is a. Yeah, this is so called psychosis. (laughs) So you know, yeah, we don't want to go down that path. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) just temporarily, but but then always come back. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah. so so, not a huge. Yeah, so don't go that way with down. People have this, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think even the Eastern traditions would acknowledge the uh, relative importance of the ego. So it. The, I like to call it the The Mego. <laughs> I love
0: that.
1: Migo, this is me. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of nice to give it a kind of cute way of talking about it. But um, so ideally, what what we have is a healthy ego structure, mm. and then we also have a spiritual underpinning where we recognize that it doesn't really exist. Like that the ego is unseated from its important status. You know, it's like, in some sense, it's like putting a child in their driver's seat of the vehicle.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, it is, it is not, the ego does, cannot by its very nature because it, it believes that it exists. It cannot Hold the deeper truth of the fact that the spiritual truth that it is really a figment of an imagination hmm. so the ego is entirely geared around maintaining its existence and it will do that by any means necessary some ways of doing that i think i go into this in my book it looks very dysfunctional but it was like no, no no i need to continue to exist i need to continue these patterns because when these patterns exist i know that i exist and therefore you know and so that's can look very dysfunctional but the spiritual work and it's not just reading a book about it it's the actual experiences of in that generate the insight of realizing that the ego is just uh, it is barely in existence really it doesn't it it's ultimately empty in the eastern sense it is comes out of you know the manifest world um but it is not ultimately real and and that that takes the edge off the ego a little bit like okay yeah it isn't doesn't fully exist we know that but we because we are in manifest reality and you know here we are interacting and living it is nice to have a healthy ego structure that's balanced it knows its place you know, it is a tool of the master, it is not the master itself, so it, it's kind of like you get to a point spiritually where the jig is up, yeah. like you know it's not real, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but but yeah, you know, everyday functioning, it's good to have it operating, uh, but not giving it so, 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 so much credence or importance, you know, mm. um, but it is good for it not to be spewing out a lot of dysfunction or dysfunctional thoughts or thinking or ideas, you know, because yeah, then that yeah, just yeah. makes our lives so much more difficult.
0: Well, I just like to apologize to my ego then, um, because I've been uh, I've been trying to get rid of the <laughs> the guy for for the last few weeks, and um, I now realize that. You know, we just we just need to get on better terms. It's fine. We're building a yeah, relationship. Yeah, he's been calling yeah. the show for so long, and it's just been it's yeah. just been horrible. But I know he's just trying to exist. So
1: he's just trying to maintain his own existence. That's right. And and he doesn't really get it. He doesn't get it. Fundamentally, he's not really getting it. So no. That it's not. He's not really real. Like, so he's flailing around trying to, you know, the more you try to get rid of it, the more it's going to fight back. You know, this is, you know, just the way that the dynamic works. And so, yes, I would, I would wave the white flag of surrender. I would offer a branch, an olive branch and say okay let's just find a way to coexist i get that you do this thing and i get that it's not you know that's not really real but okay let's continue you
0: know yeah, <laughs> so wow that's so useful mm-hmm. i really appreciate it I, do you have time for one more question I've got yes of course oh, yes really? i don't have a client for a few minutes yeah oh that's great okay my, my last question here then I, I have to ask because i now that uh, just I run into so many people who um, like my stepdad, for example. When I try to speak to him in sort of spiritual terms, he goes, "It's all brains." <laughs> it's all <laughs> brains, um, you know. And he's perfectly happy, and I love the guy, and you know, we have a great conversation yes. and stuff. But you know, he's never touched um, visionary plant medicines, and and you know, he, yes. he you know he considers yoga kind of like. Uh, what, what was the phrase he used? Um, oh, just, just you know, rubbish basically. Um, <laughs> just, just, do you know what I mean? Like new, new age rubbish. That that was who he said. Yeah, new, yeah, new yeah age exactly. Rubbish. Nonsense. Nonsense. Yeah. And so, I, I just wonder, like. <laughs>
1: What? Out there with the fruitcakes and yeah. the Fruit Loops. Out there with the fruitcakes, and if he
0: listened to this podcast, I'm sure he'd be like, "Oh, she, you know, it's great. It sounded really interesting and great, but you know, it, it, you know, some of it was New Age rubbish." Maybe he would say that. I don't know, but I'm just curious, like, <laughs> if there's as to what you would say to to someone like that, and just to hear your thoughts, just so I can, when I next see him, I've got a really good answer, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I think we have to really be conscious of who our audience yeah, is yeah. At, <laughs> at, at any given moment, as you know, as a host of this, this yeah. show, um, you know, it's you're only going to get so far with some people. And if there's no there's no there's no open door, there's not even a little window that's cracked open, then and I, sometimes I think it's it's really best to just let people be, you know, there's no need to try to convince anyone of anything. There really isn't. I mean, why why we do that is just for our own reasons, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> for our yeah. own egos, you know. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, my ego e- ego. <laughs> it's my ego again. It's my ego again. Yeah, the me the go at work. I must ego. get you on my side so that I feel better about myself. <sighs> oh. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a failed project, and so I think I think as we you know we kind of grow through these experiences and we hit our head against the wall a thousand times, we realize, hey, like let's not do that again. Um, you know, but sometimes it's very interesting, you know, people that I would never expect will ask me a question or, oh, you know, it's interesting and I'll just throw out a couple little things and, I mean, there's just no need to try to convince anyone, you know, and I, and I really think that everyone is exactly where they're supposed to be. And we may not like it. Our egos may not like where people are, or do you we know they're disagreeing, or, you know, oh, I wish they were more open. Yeah, but this is, this is just a way of torturing ourselves to try to push people somewhere where they're not comfortable. And, and I think the best approach really is just acceptance. You know, we just accept, this is okay, that's where they're at. We're not better or worse. They just, I mean, if the guy was raised in India, he'd be speaking a different tune. We know that. We know that the cultural conditions affect a lot about how people think about different things, things that are absolutely preposterous in some, you know, of the American culture are quite accepted in other cultures. And so, you know, we know that's the case. Um, we can accept that. But I, you know, having having been a part of a family that is very mainstream and very conventional, and they think absolutely, I think in a lot of ways, they like a lot of things about me, and um, some things about me probably scare them, and, you know, they still love me, and, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything at this point. You know, uh, I, I wave the white flag of surrender on that front, and, and I realize that, you know, it, the universe is a great teacher.
0: Oh, wow. in many many ways that is so beautiful and such a great place to finish and thank you so much <laughs> for your thank time you. this has been such a lovely podcast and where can people go thank to you, uh, to find your your work and, and hear more about what you're doing
1: sure so uh, my current website although I'll be making an update to it very soon hopefully over the next few weeks is um, com. so I assume you'll just send, you know, write that link for people. Yeah, definitely. Um, as well, and then I do have a program starting in a couple of weeks for a group that's delving more deeply into the spiritual and the shamanic work. I have a couple places left, and um, that is at evamedicina um, dot com forward slash initiation, and i will give you that link to provide to people. I have started a brand new account on Instagram, which is at ava underscore underscore medicina as well, and that has many teachings and thoughts and I love to provide medicine songs and experiences so there's some inspirational things happening there and then I have you know more pages on Facebook and a a private group as well on Facebook for teachings and um, bonus kinds of events and experiences. So I'm happy to provide you with all those details for you to share.
0: That would be wonderful. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. This has been so fun. I really appreciate it. Of
1: course, of course. Thank you so much for reaching out. It's great to make the connection with you.
0: Yeah, thank you. Well, there we go. That was honestly, for me, such a galvanizing conversation and I really hope that you found it interesting. Um, if you did, remember, check out the links to all the books, the healing modalities. I'm um, also doing a lot of writing on this at the moment. So if you are interested in healing from your past or trauma or anything like that, uh, do head to the blog link that I will include in the references. Other than that, do subscribe if you enjoy the content and I will see you all at the next episode, I'm sure. (laughs) Have a great week, everyone.